born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. So look what he says here. In verse 4, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. And also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. He says, and you know it's true. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, there come nigh unto Damascus about noon. Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light, shone around me. And I fell unto the ground. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid. And they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, go into Jerusalem, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. but he's really laying it on thick, ain't he? Do you realize who this guy is? And then verse 13, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul. So whenever Ananias got there, he was already Brother Saul. He was already a saved man. He didn't get saved afterwards. He got saved before Ananias came by. So in verse 14, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one. The words just one is also mentioned earlier in the book of Acts. It's also referred to in the Old Testament as the Holy One. And it's a reference to Jehovah. If that don't make people mad. So the one that he saw that they knew was crucified has come back from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he appeared unto me. And he was brighter than the the noonday sun. And it knocked me down and blinded me. And those that were with me, they heard a voice, but they couldn't understand the words that were said. And this is what happened. In other words, sometimes God may have to just hit you over the head with a tuba for to get your attention. And you'd be surprised things that God can do in your personal life to shake your world up, to bring you to your knees where you will realize, I need the Lord. You need Him whether you know it or not. And so he has a wonderful testimony, wonderful story to tell. 
but he's telling it to some people that want to kill him. How would you like to do that? How would you like, this morning I give my testimony, and you're sitting out there with hate and vengeance in your heart, and you got guns and knives and swords, and as soon as I get through, I know you want to chop off my head. I might want to temper what I'm saying just a tad. But Paul doesn't temper anything. He's not intimidated by anybody. This is why, because he was so bold. Why? He met the Lord. He met the Lord. And he wasn't afraid. And he says here, in verse 15, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. That word witness, you need to underline it, because it's very important. It's the explanation of the verse that follows. See, it's one thing for you to get saved and have eternal life. It's another thing to be a witness of what you've seen and heard. But whenever I, as an individual, am going to be a witness to testify of what I inwardly believe, it is the will of God that all of His children be baptized. See, when you're baptized in water, it's like a picture of Christ on the cross. But it's really a picture of you on the cross because see, He did it in your place. When you are buried under the water, that's a picture of dying, death. Coming up out of the water is a picture of the resurrection. So you see, it's one thing for Christ to do that for me. It's another thing for me to realize, I, Yankee Arnold, I have been crucified. I have died. And I have come back again from the dead as a child of God. To live and to walk in newness of life. To live the way God wants me to live as a testimony. You see, this is the baptism that cleanses the conscience. You see, this one thing as you read the book of Hebrews, the law does not cleanse the conscience of a man. You can believe that Christ died and paid for all of my sins and still walk around with a weight of guilt upon your shoulders. But when I understand I died, I died like I paid for all of my sins. I've come back again from the dead. And even though I'll always remember what I've done, I don't have to carry the weight of guilt. Take your Bible, hold your place right here, but look there in the book of 1 Peter and chapter 3. 1 Peter and chapter 3. It's very important that you get this, this point. 1 Peter and chapter 3. As he's talking about the flood and about the ark, he makes a statement here in verse 20, which sometimes were disobedient, the people that lived back there in that time, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, the water didn't save, but you were saved because you were in the ark. And then look what he says in verse 21. The light figure, figure, whereunto even baptism, which is a figure, doth now also save us. How does baptism save us? And it makes it very clear, and puts it even in parentheses here, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but of a good or a clear conscience between you and God. You see, it's one thing for God to forgive me of all that I've ever done. It's another thing for me to forgive me for what I've done. And a lot of people, they still live their lives under that weight of guilt 
because of what they've done in their life. But whenever you're baptized in water, it's a picture of your death, your burial, your resurrection. The where I have accepted what Christ did for me. I have been forgiven by God, and I have forgiven me. I've got a clear conscience, so that in good conscience I can serve the Lord, in spite of everything that I've ever done. Uh, go back there now to the book of Acts in chapter 22. Because here you see in verse 15, For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. So we're not talking on how to be saved. He already has the Holy Spirit. He's already believed on the Lord. He's already brother Saul. So verse 16 is not talking about how he's now going to be saved, but it's talking about having this clear conscience. I have something I want you to do. And he says in verse 16, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This is, I believe, a reference to you and your dedication to serve the Lord because of what he's done. So when I am baptized in water, it is supposed to be in your mental sense only. I am forgiving myself for what I've done. Like I paid for my sin, but I did it in Christ. Christ did it for me. It's put to my account. Haven't you ever heard people say that after they trust Christ as Savior, it's like somebody just took a weight, a load off of my shoulders. I don't have to bear it anymore. Aren't you glad this morning that you know you have been forgiven and you're going to heaven? And you don't have to, oh, I'm so guilty of all those bad things I've done. Yeah, that was then. But you died. You are now a child of God. Live like a child of God. Live like a forgiven man. You lift up your head. You become bold. And in spite of all the things that Paul had done and how he persecuted the church, hailing men and women, don't you know how he must have felt? And God forgave him of everything. But you also, you have to learn to forgive yourself for what you've done. I want you to take in... Uh, look at another scripture with me. Look over there in chapter 26. Chapter 26. Uh, I love this portion because it gives a, just a little bit more of Paul's testimony. When I graduated from Florida Bible College in 1968, just a couple years ago, I was supposed to read a portion of scripture. And this is the scripture that I read. Because I thought if this is good enough for the Apostle Paul, I want to be like Paul. I don't want to be Paul, but I want to be like Paul. And so he says in verse 1 of 26, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hands and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. So now he's going to let them know what he has to say. And if you look in verse 5, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify. Because what he had done wasn't in a corner, wasn't done secretly. It was open and above. Everybody knew of the testimony of Paul. Even the Christians knew about Paul. And they couldn't believe that Paul was a believer. That's why Barnabas had to come alongside and become like a companion and help him, even to be accepted among the other apostles and so on. He was hated that much. 
they despised this man. And now this same man has trusted the Lord. And now he wants to preach the same gospel that he used to condemn. Now he has to defend himself to people that were just like him before. Boy, how things do turn around. So he says in verse 5, Which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our Father. In other words, what our fathers in the Old Testament talked about, about the Messiah coming to the earth and dying on the cross and becoming the payment for sins. They talked about all this. In verse 7, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. What they talked about coming. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is what he thought, and he did. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and been exceedingly mad against them. Mad! I persecuted them even under strange cities. Was he zealous? He was very zealous. He's telling, this is what, well, this is what I thought. That, that, that's what I did. And now let me give you my defense. He says, this is what happened to me. He says in verse 13, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, shining above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me. Saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now see, he's telling them, This is what you are doing. You also are fighting against God. And that the one you're persecuting all these Christians... They belong to Christ. Slap that. But look in verse 16. Now there's a little bit more given here than what we read in the other one. But I would love to when these days when I get to heaven. I'm going to have Paul sit down with me and, and tell me tell me the whole story, Paul. I want to know every word that was said. I even want to do that with Abraham. Especially Noah. Oh, i got a lot of questions for him. Jonah, I've got some questions for him. Wouldn't it be neat when we get to heaven, we all dangling our feet in the river of life, and we can sit around and talk? Oh, a thousand years if we want. Time won't matter. But look what he says in verse 16. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. This purpose, you ought to underline. There's a reason to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things into which I will appear unto thee. I have appeared to you for a reason. Do you really believe that where you are right now in your life, God is using you? 
You are doing what God wants you to do with your life. Are you the father you ought to be? Are you the mother you ought to be? But he says, I'm going to appear unto you for a purpose. And then he makes this statement in verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. Verse 18, and here's the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing, God says. And Paul says, this is what God told me. To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God. Now wait a minute. minute. This is everything Paul had been doing. So in reality, he's telling them that I'm here to open your eyes. To get you out of darkness. And to deliver you from the power of Satan. Now... How would you like it if somebody told you that? That's really Paul's way of telling them where they are. Because he says, that's where I was. Until one day, I saw the light. You ever heard a song called, I saw the light? I saw the light. When I was 18, I saw the light. I saw it. And you can't make a blind man see. I can't make you understand. I can't make you see that salvation, going to heaven, is a gift. I can only proclaim the truth and hope that you see and understand that Christ died for you. I can tell you that. But can you fathom that? He died for me so that I don't have to go to hell and pay for one sin. And if He paid for all of my sins, There isn't one sin that I have to pay for. That's why I can't go to hell today. I cannot go to hell tomorrow. And I can never go to hell in the future. Why? Christ died for me. I don't have any sins to pay for. Can you get that? Most people can't get it. They think Christ is only someone to help them live good enough to finally make it. Oh, I'm doing the best I can. That Dog won't hunt. It won't work. Salvation is a gift. And Paul says, the Lord spoke to me and says, but see, verse 18, see, you don't read that back there in Acts chapter 9, and you don't read it in Acts chapter 22. You read it here. I believe there's probably more things that, I mean, you're talking to God, and He's talking to you. I'd like to know everything that was said. But it gives us what we need to know. So in his defense, he says, this is what happened. You would think, well, if he simply tells them what the truth is, well, they want to know the truth. Not everybody wants to know the truth. They got their minds made up. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. Get this, that they may receive, and you ought to underline those three words, forgiveness of sins. See, when God forgives you of your sins, then you don't have any sin to pay for. He forgave you of all your sins. Look at the last part of that verse. An inheritance among them which are, and you ought to underline this phrase, that are sanctified by faith that is in me. So this is what the Lord told Paul to preach. 
that you can be sanctified. That means to be made pure and holy. That's where we get the word sanctuary. Or to be made a saint. You are made pure and holy by your faith in Him. Paul knew that. Paul understood that. So look there now in the next verse where he says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I have done what God wants me to do. And buddy, they come unglued. But notice what else he says here. He says in verse 22, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying, Not other things than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come. All I've done is to preach what the Old Testament saints, the prophets, and the law, and Moses said what would come. That's what I've done. Doesn't the Old Testament talk about the Messiah coming? Well, he did. And look in verse 23. You got on the line, verse 23. That Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, Old Testament, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And buddy, everybody was excited about this. They were just thrilled to death to hear this. Now they understand, right? Verse 24, And as he thus spoke for himself, Festus said unto the loud voice, Festus, I, I knew Festus, uh, he used to be on Gunsmoke years ago. Anybody remember Festus, Gunsmoke? Said unto them with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning hath made thee brilliant. Mad. You're a madman. You're a madman. And in verse 25, he says, For he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. And look what he says down there in verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Do you believe the prophets? I know thou believest. So you can believe that they said what was said in the Old Testament. But do you believe that what they said was about Christ? Do you believe that? He says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost persuade. Do you know what soul winning is? Persuading people to trust Christ as their Savior. You're not trying to persuade them to trust you. Not to trust the church to get them to heaven. We're supposed to persuade people to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what Paul was all about. That's why we studied the Word of God. That's why we want to be successful and faithful. So that God can use us wherever He wants to. When He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. it didn't say go into the church and preach the gospel. The world is outside of this church. Go into the world. We think that the gospel is supposed to be preached only inside of these walls. And us four and no more. And then we've done our job. No. As you study the book of Acts, you'll find out it was in the streets. It was in the jails. It was in the courthouse. It was on the street. Everywhere they went. It was just they shared the good news of the gospel. How to have eternal life. Let me show you this one verse as we close. Look there in the book of Ephesians and chapter 2 and verse 8. 
and verse 9. You probably have never seen these verses before in your whole life. Look at these two verses. God used Paul to pen these words. And look what he says. And I want you to read these verses with me out loud, okay? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, we keep giving the gospel, the good news. And if you're watching by internet, don't turn it off yet. I'm not through. This is the most important part of the whole message. Because, you see, this is what Paul was talking about. How that those that are in darkness can see the light. Those that are blind can see and understand how that you can have your sins forgiven. That's what it's all about. This hen represent you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We've all got sin on us. You see, we committed the sin. This here doesn't make us a sinner. We do this because we are a sinner. You and I have a sinful nature and we sin against God. And God says to pay for that sin is eternal separation from the Lord in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. And that's why Paul was saying all these things that I've done. How bad he was. And God let him know. You're saved by grace. You see, he was under the Jews' religion, and he had tried to live according to the law. And he thought that all those things he was doing was doing God a favor. He thought he was serving God until the Lord let him know, you're persecuting me because of the people that believed on him. And this is why you and I need to understand, we cannot save ourselves by the things that we do. This hand represents Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He's coming to the world. And He loves us, but He hates our sin. You see, Christ doesn't have any sin. So He doesn't have any sin to pay for. So when He came into the world, He lived a perfect life. He didn't have to die. But because He loved us, our sins, we can't get in. So Christ took all the sins upon Himself. He died in our place. And paid the sin debt for everybody in the world. You see, you have a sin debt to pay. He paid for yours. And the only reason you would go to hell is because you reject the payment that was made. In spite of everything you've ever done or ever will do, all of your sin Christ paid for. That one payment He made. He'll never come back again and make another payment. Because it was sufficient. It was for everything. See, he died 2,000 years ago. He paid for all of our sins. They were all in the future. That means he's already paid for the ones you haven't committed yet. A person that's going to be born 100 years from now, if God should tear he's already paid for his sins too. And he hasn't been born yet. So when Christ died, he paid for all of your sins. Will you believe he did it for you? If you believe he did it for you, he will put this payment to your account. You go to heaven on what Christ did. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. It's a gift. By grace are you saved through faith. He says, these things write on you that believe that you may know that you have eternal life. I know that I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Best news in the world. Let's pray, shall we? 
Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We're thankful that we have the testimony of the Apostle Paul and how that he used his testimony over and over and over again. Help us to be faithful to tell people what you did for us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be on the Internet. We have no clue, no idea how many people are listening. But, Father, we want them to know that we love them and care about them. And we hope that we're a blessing to them. But we want them to trust you as their only hope of going to heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me